1: Do you need to resolve conflict and persuade at work? If you answered yes to both of those questions, visit our website to learn more about our negotiation workshops. We've traveled the country working with professionals just like you, and we'd love to have the opportunity to work with you too. Check out the link in the description to learn more.
2: Today we're with the CEO of Intellects, David Chan. We appreciate you joining us on today's podcast and thanks for all the listeners who are tuning in. This podcast is built for negotiators with negotiators in mind. So I know you're going to get a lot of value out of today's discussion with David and sneak peek, we're going to be talking about accelerating your negotiations. And I know that's super important, whether you're in procurement, sales, or just negotiating maybe with a loved one at home. We're going to talk about simplifying it, making it easier to negotiate and making it quicker as well. So without further ado, David, welcome to the show, and please introduce yourself and briefly share what experience you have in negotiations. Hey, Shane, thanks
3: for having me on your podcast, and good to see you again. Uh, you know, i tell you what, negotiations are part of every, everyday life, and like you said, negotiating with your spouse is probably number one thing you're going negotiate in your whole life, I'm Sure. Uh, but uh, personally, I, you know, as, I, as a kid, I was negotiating comic books with the other kids down the block, and then I went on to uh, cars and then eventually homes. Uh, they were painful, but even more painful are negotiating professionally, sales contracts, purchase contracts, even uh, commercial leases. I've done all of those things with my um, various companies like Proofpoint, HP, and Oracle. So, you know, negotiation is part of everybody's life, uh, including your children, and that's why we started uh, Intellects.
2: Excellent. Yeah. And it's interesting to hear the, the similarities between negotiating for comic books versus negotiating for a, a multi million dollar enterprise software. It's amazing how many similarities there are, but you're right. It is, it can be difficult. And so that is actually the purpose of today's show is we want to share actionable insights, tips that people can walk away with right after listening to this to build speed into their negotiations. So specifically, what we're going to discuss is how to speed up negotiations and then we're going to talk about a little bit about what the future of negotiations look like from your perspective as CEO of Intellect, and also share a little bit about what the company's doing, what your vision is, and ultimately where you see the world going to when it comes to negotiations. So we're going to get started uh, with your two top negotiation tips. And I know you have many years of experience negotiating, over 30 years negotiating professionally. So what are your top two negotiation actionable tips?
3: Yeah, thanks, uh, Shane. The th- th- two really important things I've learned over the years are, uh, number one, really agreeing on what the ground rules ground rules for negotiating are and understanding who you're negotiating with. I cannot tell you how many times we've missed those points in my career as well as, you know, working with other people. Uh, understanding the ground r- rules means what's on the table and what's not. Uh, you know, for example, Are are we discussing a particular uh, uh, type of contract? And what do you want to get out of that contract? And what are the timelines associated with them? What's the value add to each other? And which terms in a negotiation are off the table? I can't tell you how many times we wasted time trying to talk about something that just uh, the other party didn't want to talk about anyway. So why waste your time doing that? An example of that was uh, another organization the same size as us we internally did not know what uh, the value is that we were getting out of the company, uh, the partner. And so it was hard to quantify uh, what we wanted in return. So let's come up with a win-win solution for both of us. Uh, the second one is understanding with whom you're negotiating. You know, uh, this is a really big thing from an enterprise level and from a personal level. From an enterprise level, you know, are you going into a relationship with them? Um, and not knowing that maybe they are having financial problems, you know, if you know that they're, uh, you know, hard uh, having difficulty with meeting their um, financial requirements to Wall Street, you might not get your timelines achieved. And from a, a people perspective, deeply understanding who your counterparty is, what are they uh, constrained by, what are their performance metrics? If you know that they're, a, you know, take their time doing things you definitely know they're not going to get it done in a reasonable time timeframe. Uh, and, and again, one simple example of that was one of our staff attorneys at my previous companies really was just uh, dealing with a throwaway term, a term that didn't matter to anybody. And I asked him, what the heck, why are we wasting time on this one? And he said to me, i, I was just effing with the guy. And I said, really, that was a colossal waste of time. Had I known it ahead of time, that uh, he was just gonna you know, screw with the guy, I would have just um, asked for another staff attorney. So those are my two top tips.
2: Those are great tips. So know the ground rules. In other words, negotiate the negotiation and then also know who you're negotiating with. And so let's break them down. I, I mean, I think that we could talk about this for, for probably days, for hours, uh, but we'll be brief. So let's start with first negotiating the negotiation. So let's say you and I are entering a negotiation and practically, what would you say, what would you ask to negotiate the negotiation if we're preparing to negotiate? I would ask the accountant,
3: first of all, internally, understand what we want from the other party. If we understand that, then we go to the other party and ask them, what do you expect from this? uh, What are your outcomes from this particular negotiation? Uh, what do you think is the value add to both sides uh, are we going to grow the market together are we going to achieve certain sales together are we going to um, uh, uh, you know, increase each other's uh, margins, Th- those type of things uh, what, what is the value add because if we don't know that uh, it also it's a colossal waste of time I, I, I'm used to, yeah. I've heard you know, companies do Barney deals just to get a deal done those Barney deals
2: um, go nowhere as, as you can imagine Absolutely, and for those who aren't familiar with what that term means, uh, what what does Barney Deal mean?
3: Yeah, Barney Deal means, I uh, <laughs> forgot the kid's song. Um, it was, uh, <laughs> feel free, <laughs> if you wanna sing the song, feel free. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to remember if I, I sang that song to my kids, but I can't remember how it goes now. But <laughs> Barney Deal is just something that you can say to the public, for example, that we're doing something together we're going to grow the market, but in reality, there's no meat behind that particular deal. There's, there are no deliverables. There are no, uh, you know, real out, outcomes from that uh, particular Barney deal. It's just to please the market. Uh, and you've probably seen you've probably seen spikes in the in the um, stocks at uh, certain times when a certain press release comes out. Those, in my mind, some of them are just Barney deals. Just to please the market.
2: Absolutely. All right. That makes a lot of sense. So for those listening in, be aware of Barney deals because there is no actionable outcomes. And so, um, again, that should be that's another topic for a whole other show. But uh, knowing the ground rules of your negotiation, then also knowing who you're negotiating with. I think that uh, going into negotiations, a lot of times the negotiation is actually already won prior to it even beginning. And what I mean specifically is, do you know the challenges of, let's say, the VP of sales or the VP of procurement that you're going to the conversation with? Uh, do you know what they care most about? Have you you mentioned press uh, press releases? Have you read the latest press release on uh, where they're putting their initiatives, where they're putting their energy this year? Uh, it's amazing what's in these press releases. They're just very boring to read, but there's so much content in there almost to the penny of how much they're spending on a particular initiative that your solution might actually solve and then you can quantify that as you go into the negotiation thus you're prepared to negotiate because you know who you're going to the negotiation with and despite knowing the ground rules despite knowing who you're negotiating with there's still a lot of inefficiencies in negotiations and some of them just take way too long too many red lines etc so tell us about what common inefficiencies and in negotiations that you see right now Oh, sure.
3: There are lots of inefficiencies. Uh, Number one, uh, as you mentioned, red lines. The first thing that people do typically when they want to do a deal with another company, they send a contract over, Uh, you know, sometimes 20, 30, 40 page contract. That's the very first thing they do. They think negotiating is about sending a contract over. And uh, and what happens between the two companies is they redline it. And who's going to read all the red lines and all the comments in every single contract? It's virtually impossible. That's one big problem. The second big problem is uh, in a large organization, imagine an HP where I used to work, hundred and some odd thousand people, right? And each division could have maybe 30, uh, you know, uh, um, hundreds of people. Each stakeholder has to approve different terms. So how do you get everybody to approve a, a specific term and get them aligned around it and then keep them accountable to agree to it at a certain time frame? And then thirdly, uh, you know, they keep repeating the same things over and over again. We might have done a deal in the past with another company, but we repeat uh, our mistakes because we never learned anything from from the past. The institutional knowledge is not saved to be uh, reused by the organization again. So things are not documented. uh, Conversations are not uh, archived. You can't go back in history.
2: That's a really... uh, way of doing uh doing negotiations it, it sounds like negotiations are prime for disruption with technology absolutely 100 percent
0: hi i'm Catherine kanaki and i'm the chief operating officer here at the american negotiation institute did you know our company offers completely customizable negotiation workshops The negotiation and conflict resolution skills that your team will learn from these workshops are beneficial across all professions, but they're especially useful in procurement, purchasing, sales, sourcing, and contract management. Our calendar is filling up quickly, and we even have some workshops scheduled for next year. If you think you might want one, I'd suggest reaching out soon so you don't miss out. Check out the link in the description to learn more. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube, LinkedIn, and Instagram accounts to see our daily negotiation content. Imagine this: higher quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit hubspot.com to get started today.
2: I think with so many moving parts and I've seen the the 40-page contracts with red lines, it's like it's kind of like drinking from a fire hose as a negotiator, as a procurement person, as a salesperson, and repeating the same task just seems really inefficient. And so that really takes us to the company that you founded and that you're building with your team, Intellect. And that's spelled for anyone listening. It's I-N-T-E-L-L-E-X-T. Did I get that right? Absolutely. Yes. Okay, great. So tell us what that means. What does Intellect mean to you?
3: Yeah. um, When we were thinking about what we were doing, uh, it's, Basically, intelligent law. And so uh, intellect, intel, uh, I-N-T-E-L, is part of um, intelligent. And L-E-X is Latin for law. I took Latin for many years, uh, a long time ago. So I I still remember that. Uh, And so that's a play on words for Lex, But in addition to that, it's also play on intellect. Uh, so, if you replace the X with a C, you get intellect. Uh, then, our team is called anybody who participates with us are called intellectuals.
2: Got it. All right. So, it's a play on words. <laughs> yeah. a play, on words. Yeah, thank you. play on words. Nice. Excellent. So, um, A lot of a lot. Speaking of that, a lot of people see negotiation as kind of a playground. It's a place to experiment. It's a place to to try different things. And it seems like that's what intellects is offering people the ability to do. But who who's using intellects? Who who are the early adopters? Who's um, your let's say they they say in um, school, your cult following like who's who's really using the tool right now? Yeah, so
3: uh, remember, we're we're a seed company. We have some beta customers. The areas that we're focused on uh, specifically are procurement and uh, and financial services. And within financial services, uh, specifically, uh, commercial lending companies, as well as asset, or sorry, as well as um, swaps and der- derivatives. Uh, and I'll explain to you
2: what why they
3: find our technology so compelling.
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that um, procurement people, especially we at American Negotiation Institute do trainings with procurement teams as well, and have found that the same inefficiencies that we already mentioned today are coming up in those trainings as well. So tell us about how maybe from a procurement person's perspective, maybe one of your beta customers, how they are negotiating, like what is their negotiation look like with intellects and then without intellects sure
3: yeah so uh let's take a i won't name a name but a large procure a large company has multiple thousands of products that they procure across thousands of suppliers uh so each each category of of um supplier might provide a commodity product some might provide uh, a higher value product okay let's take Let's take RJ11 jacks. Are you familiar with RJ11 kind of little nibs for your for your 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 um, modem, for example, or they might have higher value products, say for example, cable boxes, or maybe even um, uh, on-demand TV channels that could uh, that could offer up thousands of different um, shows. When you're procuring uh, across multiple suppliers with multiple products, you have to figure out a way to streamline how you work with each of these different suppliers. What are the uh, basic uh, terms that you want them to negotiate? And what's not, uh, not on the table to negotiate? Example would be for um, the contract itself, especially if you're a large company, the contract never changes. But the terms within the contract, you can, you can uh, definitely negotiate. It could be how much, of a, how much of this widget? What's the price of this widget? When are you going to deliver this widget? How do you normalize that data across thousands and thousands of suppliers and across uh, thousands and thousands of products, such that the category manager within a procurement office, uh, procurement department can then get some uh, structure around how that's uh, uh, around all that data? Once you've structured that data, you can then analyze data very quickly to see what, how you're performing across again multiple suppliers and multiple uh, categories of products. That normalizing the data is the most important part of um, a supplier uh, of a procurement type uh, relationship. Is that?
2: uh, Definitely, yeah. I mean, that's a great, great answer. And and normalizing the data, I think that there's a, a massive shift happening For chief procurement offers specifically in a Deloitte survey, they were talking about how innovation is playing a huge part into procurement teams, into their day-to-day and implementing it. But a lot of teams, according to the report, are hesitant to adopt technology. So to someone in procurement who's maybe leading a team listening today but doesn't know how to normalize the data, what advice, tips, or just thoughts do you have to share with them?
3: Yeah, thanks. So the, I think the scariest part for people to get their arms around, uh, especially somebody who's done procurement for you know tens of years, if you will, uh, is, uh, again, thinking about separating the, the contract legalese language, if you will, from the actual terms of a contract. What, uh, what am I negotiating rather than what is a legalese? Is a good first step. So, if you know that, for example, uh, your suppliers—they're generally maybe uh, at most a dozen terms that are really, really valuable to a procurement officer: price, margin, or discount, uh, delivery date, ship to, ship from—those type of things. If you could just come up with that list first, that is the great first step uh, of, of of normalizing the data. Once you've normalized that piece of it, it's a very easy process to put into a uh, technology to then, at, at, I, I tell you, at your fingertips, all the analytics you could ever want. Wh- which which negotiations failed? How quickly have we negotiated these um, these uh, negotiations? Uh, did we get our pricing terms that we wanted? Uh, which suppliers are the best suppliers? Which terms are negotiated more than others? Um, that is really the bulk of how you uh, really the backend
2: analytics is where you're going to get the true value in this type of a scenario. Definitely. And so once you have the, so once teams have data, there are a lot of things that can happen, but what are the, what are the, the true, true benefits of as a negotiator having more data at your fingertips? What's the outcome?
3: Oh yeah. So uh, having the data, uh, is, let me, let me um, the outcome is uh, better margins for your company, higher revenue, less cost to your your um, legal department, for example, less cost even to your organization in general because you're not having to use uh, a lot of people churning around uh, unstructured data. You know, that that's really the big cost is looking at uh, so much um uh, infrastructure to 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 to, to um, manage a contract. That's really
2: uh, what we're talking about:
3: higher revenues, better margins, and faster turnaround.
2: Well, I think everyone should buy Intellects then. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> higher margins. I, I imagine if you can even. Um, Quant. I mean, those are reasons why data is important to negotiations. If you could even attach numbers and quantify, the salesperson is coming out and me now. But when you can attach a clear, like return on investment to that of like using this tool, gives you this gives our customers this amount of better margins. I mean, that is like it's the the numbers do not lie the numbers are, there's no emotions in numbers. And so that's really exciting. I'm a believer of intellects and and I can't wait to see more of the platform as it continues to grow. And as the customer base base continues to grow as well. And as you take on more investment, I know that um, you're a fast paced company. You're moving very quickly. You're doing a lot of things. I imagine you're, you have a lot of things up in the air and you're keeping everything afloat and continuing on the voyage. And so I, I think it's excellent that you're able to come on here and share a little bit about the company. And um, I know that you just hired a new CTO, so congratulations. And um, it, it makes me think, uh, when we're looking to the, to the future of negotiations, it, it, it's going to be, there's going to be more data involved. And Intelx is going to be able to be a major part of that. And so um, if we sat down, let's say a couple of years from now, what what do you hope that you can say that Intellect has accomplished?
3: Uh, my big idea, general, is this: uh, for the company, we want to get back to negotiations being a handshake. You you, you know the book uh, Outlier by uh, Malcolm Gladwell, very Col- popular Col- book. Oh, sorry, not Outlier. Sorry, Blink. Yeah, Outlier and also also Blink. I want. I, I believe that negotiations should be done at the blink of an eye or a handshake, and and what that means is, you know, we, we've we've interjected into negotiations such a complex set of rules, which I call contracts, that it's virtually impossible for anybody to get beyond that. So if we can get back to the handshake, or get back to the to to back in the old days when startup companies were uh, uh, growing up in Silicon Valley. Used to write your business plan on on a on a, um, on a pa- uh, pa- paper napkin and shake hands with the VC. And that's what we what I would like to see us get back to.
2: <laughs> I think I think you just came up with the next mark <laughs> the next marketing slogan. Negotiations done in a blink.
3: Yeah. Well, actually, that was one of our taglines at one point.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think there needs to be a billboard in California somewhere with that on there. I mean, just the the. The idea, because that aligns with where our where the future gener- like where the future of business is going, the future of negotiations are going is is speed and quick. We want things things are at our fingertips. Salespeople are becoming less relevant as more information is being spread on the on the on the web, and so we have to find ways as salespeople as procurement people to deliver exceptional value. And one of the ways to do that is through data and is through analytics and so it's been just incredible having you on the show today i really appreciate you coming on here and sharing your negotiation tips about setting ground rules and and ultimately knowing who you're negotiating with. That way you can get more favorable deals and also talking about the common mistakes in negotiations. And and again, that's how you get better, right? so there's a lot of moving parts, but with more data, there's more speed. And so it's an incredibly exciting time to be following intellects on social media and connecting with their team to see kind of what they're working on and, and how it can hopefully help you. And that's what it's all about. So for that to happen, what is a good way for listeners to connect and support you and your company?
3: Yeah, thank you. So uh, you, you, first, uh, our website, intellects.ai, www.intellects.ai with an X rather than a C. Uh, over, just so you know, over the next uh, 30 days, you'll see a major transformation on our website to reflect the speed and the uh, personality of our company. Uh, number two, if they want to personally email me, David at Intellects.ai, I answer 99.9% of my emails very quickly. I
2: don't sleep. <laughs> All right, salespeople, <laughs> you heard that if you're selling to David, <laughs> 99% <laughs> response rate. <laughs> That's excellent. Well, uh, it was a pleasure having you on the show. We, we truly cannot wait to see how Intellects impacts the world. So it was a pleasure having you. So uh, before we hang up and I know this is just a recording, I love you, you love me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: there you go. That's
2: the... Now you remember the Barney songs. That's the Barney song. <laughs> Great show today. <laughs> Thanks. Sir.
1: Congratulations. You've just joined an elite club. By listening to a full episode, you're now officially on the Negotiate Anything team. So welcome aboard.